You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Rob Hollis is here. He's got a beard. Hi, Michael. You're very observant this morning. How long morning. did it take you to grow that? Uh, two and a half weeks. Uh, good show today. We always have a good show for you. I hope you enjoy it. Even if you don't know someone's name, check it out because uh, you'll learn a lot. I'm certainly learning a lot. Today's guests, they are uh, they have a huge fan base. These guys are enormously talented. Dulé Hill, James Roday from the hit show Psych. Um, this is a... This is a great show. I don't know how many people watch this, but it's quite a few because people are always excited about that. When are those guys on? And, uh, you know, James Roday is in a show called uh, Million Little Pieces. Yep, the new show on ABC. New show on ABC. Dulé Hills worked forever. West Wing Suits. Uh, both enormously talented, funny. James directs. Well, you'll hear all sorts of shit. We get personal about relationships on set. We talk about so much goodies. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, listen, uh, let's get inside uh, James Roday and Dulé Hill, the psych boys. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Do you guys coordinate what you're going to do? Like, hey, what time are you getting over Rosenbaum's house? I just assume the Dulé is going to be 20 to 40 minutes late, and I live my life accordingly. And then on a day like today, he sets me up for failure because I come rolling in. It's and the long game. And he's sitting in the compact. See, it's a long game, though. You know, I started this, I started this from back in, say, about 2008. Just so on this moment today, <laughs> yeah. when I came to do Inside of You, yeah. I could beat Rodin it to the It paid off. And that you know was it. You got to be consistent with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm the jerk. Now, let me ask you, were you guys, was, was that sort of, are you guys, uh, someone who, like, Dulé, you're a responsible guy. You always, seems like you know your lines. Right, right. Is that true, James? Sure, he's prepared to do, sure. the, to do the work when he gets there, sure. Now, how late on average would you say Dulé is? <laughs> no, it's, I'm exaggerating, it's, it, but it's a solid 15. Well, 15 is, is, is doable, yeah. right? More yeah. than that, then the AD starts coming over to you. No, it's yeah, no. just 15 times every day times eight seasons. Eight seasons. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But I do come knowing my lines, ready yes, to go. Does. That's yes, important. So I make up the time. You know what I mean? That's true. James you Roday, Dulé Hill, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. Wow, this is weird. This is great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's your funeral, pal. I was, <laughs> I was nervous. It's pretty rotten in now, there. Now, we know each other. but <laughs> Listen, we know each other, but we don't, we don't know each other. We see each other. We, it's uh, been well, a long time. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the uh, the feeling of closeness is reciprocated by you. I really appreciate it. I can't even remember the last time I saw you. Well, right look, there's always been a respect. I always thought you guys were funny and sweet and 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 just good guys. Had a lot of charisma. And I was like, I, I love them. I want to work with them. I want to hang out with them. We didn't do that a lot. But when we saw each right. other around, you have yes. a nice tattoo on your arm. Thank you, man. It's my family coat of arms. Really? Yeah. My family coat of arms would be a Prozac pill. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. small. I have it. My brother has specific. it. Some cousins have it. You know what I'm saying? It is specific. But little. <laughs> now, but I'm excited you guys are here. And, you know, it's not always easy. Quarter. And by the way, did you think for a second, oh, he wants James on there? Oh, he wants Dulay on there? Why can't we do individually? Why are we doing it together? Oh, it's a psych thing. Uh, I always will take this guy on anything like this because he's way better at it than I am. So it's, we have a good old time. We have a good yeah. old time. James, you smoke grass. I mean, that's what I get. So I gather. You're very relaxed. You're a cool guy. You're funny. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I wish that I agreed with weed more than I do. What what happens when you smoke grass? Um, and do you like that I called it grass? Yeah, I like that it's grass. Let's keep it strictly on go. strictly now, 70s. 
early 80s. Let's not go past 84. <laughs> Let's not. Yeah. Things are going to be rad, and we're going to smoke grass. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I when when everyone started smoking weed, uh, I had a couple grass. I had a couple bad experiences that sort of set me off on the wrong foot. And this was, you know, high schoolish. Grass? Grass? How did you get? Wait, I never hear a bad right. experience with yeah. grass. Yeah, I'm like, what? I was in Texas. It was probably barely even grass. It probably was actual grass. <laughs> and yeah, and by the time I got to college, I just was like, eh. And I feel like I missed the train. I missed the grass train. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I stick with alcohol mostly. Delay. Yes. Grass. Have I had, have I smoked weed before? Yes. yes. Do you yes. smoke? You don't smoke a lot. No. I'm a tap dancer. I grew up around, you know, back, especially when I was back doing Bring Noise, Bring the Funk. It was like tap dancers are jazz cats. You know what I'm saying? And what does that have to do with smoking? So that you can well, just... tap dancers and jazz, I mean, jazz cats smoke weed. That's what they do. They... Oh, that's what they do. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And tap dancers are jazz cats. You're getting an education right now. You know I, I didn't know that. I didn't assume yeah. all jazz people like... It's... Well, no. I mean... I, Not you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz cats. Jazz cats you know, smoke jazz weed. Cats. Rosenbaum. <laughs> cats. Jazz I mean, and cats. I'm not saying everybody does, but like, you know, people people smoke weed. Yeah. Especially back then, like in the uh, in the late 90s. You know, when I was in Noise Funk, I smoked right. a lot. Dead. But not drinking. You guys aren't big drinkers? I like to drink. No, I like to drink, yeah. yeah. You do? That I mean, is my, my family's from Jamaica. That Come is on, my man. drug of choice, yes. Yeah. And how often do you drink? Uh, probably every other day I have a drink. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have, every it's probably day. an even split over the 365. Really? A hundred and... <laughs> and it depends <laughs> on how much... That? What is that? A hundred and seventy... Six, something like that. Mm -hmm. But then there's 176 clean, you know, mm -hmm. right? Crisp. You gotta have balance in life. You gotta. A have doctor once told me, okay, that if you take one full month, consecutive month, which for me, of course, was February because it's the shortest, uh, <laughs> off of drinking, that's all the time your liver requires to to refuel and re and how long? Build itself. One month. One month. Now, we don't know who this doctor is, but it was a medical doctor who earned a degree from somewhere probably south of our borders. But listen, it makes sense to me because in my mind, it's always like, I don't drink every day. My liver's fine. But it needs the, the cumulative sort of repair time of, you know, 28 to 30-ish days. And you have no problem with that, giving us a little 30-day... February, man. February. It's a good month to do it anyway, month. right? You watch the Super Bowl and then you take a break and then you're back to just living the life that you need. Well, what about on set, though? Not on set. Obviously, you don't drink mm. on set. I mean, maybe you do. When I'm working, I drink a lot. I don't drink as much. You don't drink as much because I'm busy. You know, I, by the time the day is done, then I have to get home and yeah. get ready for the next day. So, and don't you feel like shit? See, with me, with alcohol, if I drink it, not even a beer or something, it just kind of makes me feel like crap. Not me. No, I don't, I'm, I'm more of a like a scotch or a wine dude. Yeah, I drink. Really? I drink vodka, and I can I can drink it in copious amounts and not feel anything. <laughs> Is that true? I don't know if that's something you want to be proud of, though. Well, I mean, if you're going to have a thing that you drink, then it's, you know, be able to drink it. Now, you, you, you both have something in common. He started dating his co-star in season one of Psych. Yes. Season two. That's correct. And it lasted six years. Seven. Seven, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You started dating your co-star... On Baller season one, mm -hmm. and now you're married. Yes. But your unique cases, because it's always the thing not to do. Don't go out with your co-stars. I once was on a movie in Germany, and I made the mistake, and I was young, and she was, we were just, 
and it just got it got a little ugly. You see, it yeah. got uncomfortable, and then it was fine. But it was just like, well, see, I got off on a technicality because technically I wasn't really a series regular on Ballers. I was just a guest actor on. The you show. were still balling, so though. I was visiting. You were balling. <laughs> oh, I was balling. Once I got with Jasmine Simon, I was definitely balling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, right. But I, you know, I. I was a guest in that world. You see what I'm saying? Like, so it I wasn't the same. It wasn't. The same it wasn't like a lead actor with a lead, a lead a, actor, another like a lead actor on a on a comedy show on USA like, Network, like James, did. and then being with another lead actor on a comedy show on USA Network. I it see wasn't what, that at all. Wait, another? Well, no. Yeah. You two? Well, well, well she, she, Maggie, Maggie. For well, I thought you said oh, so it was just Maggie, right? Yeah. Now I have inside scoop. There's a friend of mine. He was my assistant up in in Canada. His name's Troy Rudolph. He loves you guys. I you know Troy? Troy? Yes, we know we Troy. Remember sweet Troy. guy. We love him. Nerdy <laughs> guy. Troy. Hi, Troy. He'll listen to this. He loves yeah. you what's guys. Up, what's up, Troy Rudolph? Yeah. Now, he said, you know, a people. I think people are in the first season were probably a little worried. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, what's going to happen to the show? I mean, uh, James is dating Maggie Lawson. What's going to happen there? Were you, were, were, was there concern? Was there halfway through season one? You're like, I've got to get rid of her. She's going to get rid of me. Or what's going on? We here? made it through the first season pretty well. It was like... It was a heavy flirtation, but you know we we behaved and we figured that that was the right thing to do. And then uh, we went into the off season and things got more serious. And we just sort of made a deal with ourselves that psych has to come first, and that if we were going to make this ill advised decision, because it is no question, yeah, um, that we were going to make our bed literally, and then we were going to have to lie in it, and we did that. What were you thinking the whole well, time, Julie? Come well, on. But not early on when they, when they first got together. I remember telling Roday, just, like, just mm -mm. don't bring this shit to work. Don't bring this shit to work. <laughs> Do you remember those conversations, James? You know? Yeah. Because to me, it was, it was a matter of as long as y'all are good, then life is good. But if you have issues and then y'all are arguing yeah. and now you want to come to work and we have to do a scene where we have to all be very funny and you all are trying to be shitty with each other, that's not going to work. But they never did. I got to get, I mean, times that when. I'm sure that in any, as in any relationship, you have disagreements and you have arguments and things like that. They never brought it to work. They both yeah. always came with the A game, brought the energy right. There wasn't any conversations where it's like, how much are you getting for renegotiations, James? Oh, no, here's a, no, here's a, uh, <laughs> I want to know. Here's a fun, here's a fun piece of gossip. Ooh, we, we pulled off an entire shortened, but final season, not being together without anybody Except, you know, Dulé and Tem, nobody on the crew knew. Mm -hmm. Like, we pulled that off. We wanted it to sort of end the way that it began. And and so we, yeah, we just sort of pretended for the kids. Are you guys friends to this day? Max and I? Yeah. Very close, yes. Very close. You, you, you'll text her, call her. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> But that's, you know, because relationships, they never end. Well, I think relationships can end well as long as the people involved are good people. You know what I'm saying? I think if people involved are not good people, then it's not going to end well. So, for example, like, that's Jay and Maggie, they ended well because they're good people. They're good people. Rosenbaum's, you know, his relationships don't end well because, you know, well. Well, first of all, <laughs> you said Rosenbaum. And that's what my dad says. He says, that's the correct pronunciation of my name, Rosenbaum. You're the first person who actually got it right. So, thank you. B, all my relationships have ended well mm. to a certain degree. All of my relationships have ended well. <laughs> well, all of a sudden I'm an old Jew. All my relationships ended well. <laughs> I can't really tell you. What, Rob, go ahead. Are you friends with all of them still? You call and text them? 
Yes, I just got a like from one of my exes on an Instagram post. Uh, not what I asked <laughs> well, at all. Well, well, you know, I'm friends with him. In fact, I said I just texted my uh, I dated this girl, Danielle Harris. She's a horror uh, movie oh, actress. She's one of my best friends. She had her second kid. I just texted her the other day. Congratulations. She's like, it's amazing. How's your life going? I'm like, it's going. Fuck off, Rob. What the fuck? <laughs> he's already he's 29. He's got a kid. 30. Wow. 30. <laughs> Congratulations, Rob. Congratulations. Can you believe it? You guys don't have kids. Uh, I do not. Dulay I do. Is, is you do have a kid? Inherited yes. a beautiful yes. daughter. Yeah. Oh, my God. How old? 13. How is that? Lovely. Yeah. Isn't Absolutely. it hard? Not at all, actually. Why? Not, well, because she's a wonderful child. That's why. You also, I mean, I think, you also uh, skipped a lot of the tricky phase. You know, <laughs> don't take away my shine, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't take away my shine. He missed the terrible twos you know what in I mean? a big way. <laughs> and you were a groomsman in the wedding? I was. I was. Did you give a speech? I did. I gave a I gave a short speech, but I felt like it was it was packed with the like your daily essentials. Well, you know, obviously when you have a, a actor and a writer be one of your groomsmen, you would think that his speech is going to be on point and it was. It was. Yeah. How long was the speech? And could you summarize it in one minute? It wasn't it wasn't long. Highlights. <laughs> it wasn't long. And uh much like Dulay and I's relationship, it was, you know, 80% fun and 20% heart. And did you cry? I didn't, but that's just because there was so many tears happening. I felt like somebody needed to, like, keep the shit together. Really? You know? People were crying. <laughs> A lot of was tears. Was your Jamaican family crying? Some of my Jamaican family was, was probably crying, yeah. Who's yeah. the biggest crier? Uh, one of the Jamaican family would have been me. <laughs> were you crying? I did. It was an emotional. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. I think people like... It was the ugly cry, too. <laughs> was it? Yeah, those pictures will never get out. <laughs> it was the ugly cry. That face you make yeah. that only you do in that front you, of a mirror? Yeah, and you're trying to hold it together, but it really can't. It's like, <laughs> I've done that cry. Yeah. Rob, have you done that cry? Uh, probably. I don't picture you as someone who cries. I think at my grandpa's funeral, I did. You yeah. did? Why? I mean, because he died. But that's not what I meant. I meant, were you really close with him? Or was there something special? Yeah, and they had the uh, trumpet salute for him. And that's oh, when, wow. it, yeah. when it happened. That's when it hit Did you. you give the ugly cry? Probably. How old were you? Uh, five. Like four years, five years ago. <laughs> I thought he was going to say I was four. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't, how do you remember? <laughs> the last time I ugly cried was when I saw E.T. in theaters. Oh. Which part? It was full. It was when, the he, end. when he said goodbye. When he yeah. said goodbye. I cry at weird shit, man. I cry at the prices, right? Sure. Mm. You know, I can like if someone wins the underdog, you yeah. just could tell that they you Their know life is gonna they be, need this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I fucking go nuts. Yeah. You know? Jeopardy not so much. But the price is right though. Price is right. He's like, and they bid. I mean, if it had been one dollar more, <laughs> he would have he would have lost, but he didn't. <laughs> so let me ask you this. When you guys started doing psych, did you did you immediately get along? Did you meet each other? Because you tested, you have to see if you match together, if your comic timing, all that. How many tests were there? Well, Rodé already had the job. They already did. Was it a straight offer? Or did you audition for that? No, I had to test against um, three other white dudes. Do you know the white dudes? One was Paul Campbell. And Who's that? He's a Canadian actor. Okay, that's why. That I, no, I'm kidding. I love Canadians. Yeah. And you're then, Canadian, aren't you? No, you're from uh, no, New I'm, Mexico. I'm from Texas. But that was close, though. Weren't you, you born in New Mexico? Yeah, yeah. You found the region, though, yes. and that's no. Okay. I was born in San Antonio. Oh, I'm half Mexican. I'm New half Mexico. Mexican. That might be what's in your head. Oh yeah, that's you what are it half is. Mexican. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Rodriguez. Yeah. Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, but no, I tested against some dudes and uh, and got it. And then I was I read with every single actor, every single actor that read for for Dulé's role. 
it was a long, exhausting process. And then um, very close to the end, um, everybody came into the room pumped up and nervous because, oh my gosh, Dulé Hill from, from the West Wing is going to come in and test. And it was like, you know, it was a late game swerve, A, to go diverse with the role, and B, to get somebody, you know, who was coming off one of the one greatest shows, shows of all ever. time. Yeah. So everybody was sort of over the moon. And, yeah. it, and it kind of shifted the dynamic in a pretty big way because all the sort of nebbishy Alan Rucky from from Ferris Bueller Day Off versions was sort of what we had been looking at. Right. So outside the box. Yeah. Or outside inside. the box, inside of you. <laughs> inside of you. But, you know, that's it, it's kind of lightning in a bottle because – it had to be perfect timing because you were obligated to West Wing. West Wing. Until you were you didn't sign on for that seventh season, but the show ended up not. I did while well, I was on the seventh season. I had committed to a certain number of episodes. We were right. going to do a certain number of episodes that uh, Charlie was going to be in like five episodes or something like that. So the timing worked out where I was able to go and do the finale the pilot, and all that stuff. The pilot, go back, finish the show, and then start. Psych. Did you think it was like when you watched the pilot, you were like, "This is going to go for a while." I thought. If they give us a chance, then we could po- like possibly find some gold over a period of time. Right. But right off the right off the bat, did I think necessarily? Oh, this is going to run for eight years? No, not eight years. No. Yeah, I, I felt like there was real potential there that needed to be carved out. Mm. Like there were like a couple scenes in the pilot that I were like, okay, if those two scenes are the show, then we could have a sh- like we could have a lot of fun, right? Um, but, you know, I think at the beginning we were still sort of steeped in this idea that we had to be a procedural mostly with like a light tone. Right. And it wasn't until we discovered, you know, relatively early on, because to USA's credit, they did give us the time to sort of find ourselves. You got to find it. That's um, what people don't understand. It's like you watch a pilot, you're seeing essence, well, in essence, right? little morsels of like what could be. And if you don't give it enough time to develop, where was it? Was there that pinnacle moment where you both thought... We got it now. We got this. Now we know what we're doing. For me, I think I know Dulé's answer, and, and I agree with him, but I'll take it back one step. For me, it was the, the last episode of season one into the first episode of season two, both directed by John Landis. Wow. And both became arched in a way that the previous episodes weren't. And that was, you know, that was when I think we realized, oh, there's a version of the show where we just do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> And that's the show. Now, when you say that, is that that's improv? Improv. Do you wor- improv a lot? What percentage, on honest percentage of each show, is you guys adding stuff and ad libbing, or is it just moments and scenes? It got less and less over, over the years time. because they just knew how to write for you. Yeah, right. yeah. But that's what's great, great about collaboration, though, because Rodé is the was the you know the improv dude. He would be all over the place and finding gold on his own. But then as the writers would see what was coming on screen, they, they then would start to write towards it. And then, of course, then you would do less improv, but then you would add on to it a little bit more. Right. And they would take that, and so it becomes a nice uh, collaborative situation. Yeah, so in other words, they'd see something, and they, or they write something, they go, yeah, Rodé is going to go this direction, yeah. and Dulé's probably going to do this. And they start to write, write I mean, to a, your strengths. A, a simple thing, I think, early on, one of the first nicknames that Rodé gave, uh, or Sean gave Gus was... Gus Silly Pants Jackson. I think that was one of the early ones. <laughs> right. That wasn't initially in a part of their dynamic, but as Rodé kept doing it, then they started writing towards it. And then that became obviously one of the great things that, that fans have always loved about the show was was uh, the names that Sean would call Gus. 
That's amazing. Or even, or even the don't bees. The don't bees weren't originally part of the world anyway. Also, you know, at Dax Christopher said, you know, he said, uh, "Does talking about psych ever get old?" Now I have to answer that for me first. Yeah. You know, people say Smallville. Talking about Smallville. My, my response is. Does it get old? No. I mean, it's something that's the biggest success I've ever had. It was a blast. Uh, you know, I did a lot of other things. I do a lot of other things. But, but if people want to know about that, do you always want to talk about it? No. When you're with your girlfriend, your wife, do you always want to say, hey, let's talk about Psych episode <laughs> good, 30? What good, are you thinking? Good morning, baby. No. I how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> when Gus went to the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. Me personally, I don't I don't get tired of talking, but I, I feel like it's a, a nice balance. They... It's just at the right amount of level of <laughs> talking about it. Right. It's not like every day in, day out, I'm always talking about psych. But I also appreciate the fact that fans have appreciated and uh, enjoyed this this world that we created, or at least we're a part of being being created, that, uh, that, that, that has touched them. So why yeah. not? Shame on anybody who ever gets tired about talking about something that changed their lives. Psych, yeah. psych changed my life. Psych was an opportunity that, you know, changed everything for me. And not just as an actor, but it's what it's what allowed me to start directing. It's like it sort of was the linchpin for everything that came after it. And uh I owe that show and the fans of that show so much. And uh yeah, I'll I'll stop and talk about it with anybody. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. 
It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Take me back a little. Like you're doing theater. I was a New York theater kid. I came out of NYU with a theater chip on my shoulder and, and a good bartending gig in Union Square, and I figured that was that was an honorable life. Yeah. And then before I knew it, uh, I had gotten cast in a TV series, and it brought me to Los Angeles, but I still very much had the New York theater mentality, and I was kind of... I wasn't a jerk, but, I, but artistically, I sort of had a, like, I don't know, I feel like this material might not be up to par sort of thing going on and and i got the best piece of advice that i've ever gotten in my career uh from an actor named michael rispoli a wonderful character actor who's been around for a long time and uh he sat me down and he said look kid i get it but i'm gonna do you a favor and then he like uh phantom knocked the chip <laughs> off my shoulder <laughs> and explained how fleeting this business is and how there's always something that you can learn from every job and that uh you know, walking around like, you know, your shit doesn't stink is is not going to get you anywhere. And luckily I got that advice at 23. And you really, that hit you. It hit me right between the eyes. Isn't it amazing? Like sometimes people say shit all the time. It seems profound at the moment and it's just sort of ephemeral, right? And then somebody will say something that just resonates forever. And then, and, and, those are rare. Mm-hmm. And and the truth is I wanted to be a, a sponge. I wanted to, to learn as much as I could. So to hear that from an actor who had been doing it for, you know, 25, 30 years, I just took it at face value and I was like, yep, no more of that. <laughs> really? So, do you, do, or did you, I probably would have walked away going, what was it I said that make, made him think I had a chip on my shoulder? I think I was talking <laughs> about theater a lot, and I think I was probably overly critical of the first few scripts that came in. I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great show, but you know that's that's part of what we do. You know, you yeah, you you'd, sometimes you get lucky and you're on great stuff. And were sometimes... you a hater 
Do you think like we're, we're like, it, look, there's moments in our lives. Yeah. Like I'm looking at you guys right now and I know Rob is. Sometimes we sit there and go, oh, that song sucks. That movie was a piece of shit. That was, do you find yourself <laughs> trying to get better? Are you rude? Like now I find myself rooting for people. Yeah. Like, hey, good for him. Good for her. It's a better energy. It's healthy. There was a sure, there was a time in my life where I'm sure I was like, well, am I not doing that role? <laughs> what? I should, where was my audition? I could have been like the... You're an idiot, but you're young yeah. and stupid. Yeah. Do you, 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 you go through that stage? It's a very sort of specific niche where I find myself being a hater, and that's usually with horror, just because I'm a, hor- I'm a huge horror geek, and I'm ver- I'm I want horror to be better, and and I don't settle for a a decent horror movie being heralded as like, oh my gosh, this is a game changer. Like, I I can't do it. Why are we not hanging out? Do you understand that that's exactly my mentality with horror? <laughs> yeah. I watch John Heater, you know, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. He and I and his Mormon friends and my non-Mormon friends watch horror movies every week. One night, B-movies, things that are more obscure. We look for great horror movies and usually yeah. we don't find them. But when a good movie comes, like the, the Hereditary came, you know, that they said this is going to be the biggest movie. And, and I liked it, but I was... The, the hype wasn't, you know, it's a first act in in search of a movie. But but I think, <laughs> but I think the problem is with with horror movies in the seventies, in the sixties, seventies, even eighties, early nineties. There's the technology. You, you you didn't have a cell phone to call for help. You didn't have. There was right. sort of a helplessness, yeah. and that's missing. And so when you can find that on those rare those those rare movies without having to set it in period. It's sort of cheating, but it's it, cheating. But it does get rid of, and it. it's hard to be original. But yeah. yes, there are very few horror movies that I just shit my pants on. Yeah. Well, somebody here uh, just uh, directed a horror movie. Rob. Yep. I Rob, know you directed horror. I, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it now. James, let me uh-huh. hear about this. No, I just. Well, why are you just assuming he's a James? <laughs> well, you just <laughs> ain't this something. Like, well, you know what? Wow. I was going to bring this up. Wow. I, I'm going to go back. It's to It's called you on Bloody this. Tap Dancer. It's called Bloody <laughs> Tap Dancer. <laughs> I would see that. That's an original title. No, it should be Grass Smoking Cats. <laughs> jazz Cats. Jazz Cats. Jazz Cats. Uh, no, I just wrapped uh, Friday night. I wrapped a, a little, it's a Blumhouse Hulu team up. Um, they're doing 12 standalone uh, features, each loosely based on a holiday. So there'll be one each month. Just uh, say yours is an Easter. Uh, no, mine is March. Um, it'll air in March uh, for International Women's Day. And, nice. Uh, I, it's one of those things where you had to sign uh, like confidentiality. You, you get to not talk too much about the plot and stuff. And to be fair, you pull a couple threads and it kind of ruins the movies for anybody who hasn't seen yeah. it. But what I can say is uh, I was humbled and surrounded by so many talented people. And we took a very ambitious project and made it in about 15 days for... A bag of peanuts. Two questions. Yeah. One, are there at least three moments where you go, holy shit? Yes. That's all I want. Yeah. Number two, could I potentially be in your next one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. His next I... one is going to be called Jazz Cats. Jazz Cats. Bloody Jazz Cats coming to you. Yeah. So it's funny is you went on to, so that psych was really like you say, that was the moment. Yeah. It changed everything. Got you to be able to direct more. And Dulay, you were already a success story in terms of like your career. You were on the biggest shows ever. Yeah, I was definitely, yeah. But you were always working. 
since I've you were been... a kid, you were on telethons and <laughs> tap dancing with. I mean, who does that? What a bizarre! I mean... What a bizarre thing. Since you were a kid, man, <laughs> you were do- you were on the telethon <laughs> circuit. But what, what's, his, what's his name? What's his name? I read about it. What's his Jerry name? Lewis. Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> that's a. You're ten years old, right? That. What was I doing at ten years old, Rob? What were you doing? Oh, that's in school. Uh, okay, funny. he gives me. You notice how when I give him a say something, he gives me a direct answer. <laughs> oh, school. I was in school. There's no school. I was doing school. <laughs> I mean, but what I'm trying to say is that you were working at a young age. Yes. You were doing already big things. The telethon might not have been the biggest. I didn't know where to go. <laughs> Fuck you, Rode <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> um, oh yeah, man. I started at a young age. I started at the age of ten. It was my first. Gig. When, I, when were you making money? Age of 10. I understudied Savion Glover on Broadway in The Tap Dance Kid. And then I did the lead on the national tour for a year with Harold Nicholas of the Nicholas Brothers. But I mean, uh, what I didn't really know what it was at the time. I was really doing it because I had the opportunity and I l- loved to dance and I thought it was right. something fun. But I'm very aware that my journey has been a blessed journey. There's no confusion in my mind. I don't take myself too seriously. I don't take the journey. Uh, I don't chalk it up as my own, like, this is what I did. I'm like, no, 10 years old, you went on a show called The Tap Dance Kid, came to your dance school, you tapped and saying he's got a whole world, he's got the whole world in his hands, and next thing you know, you're understudying Savion Glover on Broadway, who wasn't Savion Glover at the time, he was just, he was another cat who got a gig. He was DJ Victory. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, uh, it's been a blessed journey, and one thing has led to another, has led to another, I've gone through some droughts of not working, but not long droughts, and then when I'm, I've set the goal for years of trying to get on television. I would test for stuff, not get not get jobs and things, and this and that. And then when I finally do get a job, it's the West Wing. It's not like I read the script and said, you know what, this is the one I'll do. And you know what, <laughs> call, call up Aaron Sorkin and John Wells and tell them yes, You had I'll to do work it. at it. You had to audition. You had I'm, to make this happen. I wanted a job. But I had about maybe two months left of money left to pay my rent. So I just wanted a job. I mean, I don't care whether it, it – I'm thankful it was the West Wing on NBC, but if it was on UPN, if it was anywhere, if it was – I, what WB CW? Yeah, what was that? Pax TV. Pax. <laughs> that was, that was it. Is it still around? I don't know if it's still around. But like anything on yeah. the, on television, I would have done. Isn't it amazing how when you're younger, I didn't give a shit. They're like, oh, no. hey, we're gonna do a spec commercial. What's that? <laughs> cool. It's not a real commercial. We're gonna try and sell it and make a real commercial. Right. But we'd like to use you, and you're not getting money, and you're gonna show up, <laughs> right. and you're gonna pay for your own lunch, and I do it, right? Because I'm thinking in my head, that's gonna become the biggest thing ever. I always thought. All these little things, which they it's all part of it. And then mm-hmm. you get older and you're kind of like, I don't want to do those little little things as much. Well, because you did it already. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you kind of did it. But where did me- that ambition go? For me, I'm talking to myself right now. Oh. Well, like, you well, know, I got so excited when I was younger about everything. What is that? You had to create real estate for the podcast, man. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe Rob, so. Rob knows I'm right. Yeah. You knew your strengths, maybe. Maybe you didn't want to do this, but he went on to direct and write and do all these things. And you're like, I want to act. I want to dance. Did you, do you yeah. want? To, did you want to direct? Did you want to do all that? I, I, I still don't have a, a, a real ambition to direct. I mean, uh, over time, I would like to produce more because I think I just like that side of the business. But I don't have an ambition to really direct or to write. See, I think that's that. You know, for me, I, I enjoy doing theater. I want to do more theater. I I want to find more opportunities where I can dance because I really. Enjoy tap dancing. Uh, I want to keep spreading out the breadth of what I'm doing. Uh, you know, Gus is a character. Charlie's a character. Uh, what I'm doing now, Alex Williams is a character. Suits. I, I want to keep. Yes, yeah, so I want to keep 
just expanding it out. Because for me, it's less about just doing television. I like keep doing the same thing over and over again. I really am trying to create something that over time that people will look at and say, the breadth of the work that he has done is very impressive. Like, wow, he, he did this and he did that and he played this guy and he played that guy and then he danced here and then he sang here and then he did this comedy, he did this drama. Yeah. How, how important is it? That's interesting you say that because like when you said, when you were speaking just now and you had passion, but you were thinking, well, people will think this and people will think that and people will think this. And how much is that really for you that you love doing this because sometimes well, it gets expression. convoluted. Well, it's expression because an artist, you want people to respond as an artist. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, yes, I dance for myself, but when I dance, I'm sharing something. That's right. Yes. I act for myself, but when I, I want to take you on an emotional journey. Yeah. So that's why when I say when people look at, it, I want them to be on this journey with me of like, wow, I, like, the work affected in different ways, the right. way psych has affected people in a certain way, the way West Wing has affected people in a certain way, the way people who have experienced has been in a dynamic where I'm dancing. How, that's it's all energy. It's all affecting people. It's, if right. it's in isolation, if it's just me in a room by myself doing it, it's a wonderful thing. But if it's just that, then it's just for myself. Yeah. As soon as I step out the door and I put it on the screen, put it on the stage, put it on wax, put it anywhere, it, it, it then becomes a two way street. I'm, it, there is an interaction happening here as an, as an artist and the person receiving it. Right. It's not just about me. I think it's really great. I, you know, did you ever have that feeling, I want to be a star? I want to be this. I want to be... You guys never... You both no. shaking your head immediately. Rob? No. no. Yeah, I know that. I knew that answer. <laughs> but like, so, I mean, like, was there never no. like, I want to be a star. I want to make money. I want fame. I want this. Or was it always art? Honestly, was it always art? I was ready, man. I was ready to do to be a, a somewhat anonymous New York theater actor because I felt like that's that's why I started acting that's I fell in love with theater first and and I think that it's uh there's a there's a purity and I think there's a dignity to that road and uh I don't know I mean for for myself I would say it's not that I like I wanted to get on television and I want to do films and I want to be on stage but the idea of being a star or I want to be that guy. I want to walk into a room and everybody knows me. I want to walk down the street and che- the world is cheers to me. That kind of thing. Yeah. That has never been an a- ambition for myself. It's I want to be able to play roles that are exciting and engaging and challenge me and scare me. And, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I, I've, I've had that. You've had you've had that. You've, I've, had, I've certainly that, had that level where, of success. I've certainly had where I'm in college and I'm doing plays and I did Broadway, off Broadway, and way the fuck off Broadway, New Jersey Broadway, and uh, you know you've, we've all done that. Um, Rob, can and, you go on Broadway.com and see what's playing way the fuck off Broadway right now? <laughs> Rob, you don't actually have to do that. It's, it's called sarcasm and uh, belittling. No, but there was a time where it's like. Oh my god, I love Reservoir Dogs. I want to be in that. I want to, I want to be in the Oscars someday. I want to be a fucking. I want to be a fucking famous. I want to be. But I loved acting at the same time. I loved yeah. what I was doing, but I wanted to sort of be famous. There were those moments, and as I got older, I started to realize sort of what was really important, mm-hmm. right? And so now I I don't have that feeling anymore. Like I used to. Like I like I want to be famous. I want to. Be, I just feel like I just want to be happy. I want to do things that make me happy. I want to be around people, surround myself that uh, people that make me happy. Yeah. Do you think? Anyway, that's that's. Just I me. also had but tremendous it, social anxiety when I was a younger man, and that and the idea of fame or celebrity was terrifying. All right, this this is this is this is where I want to go now. <laughs> okay, you just hit it because this is always goes. Gets into therapy. That's where I hope it goes into. <laughs> I hope it goes into anxiety. And we could edit this down to like just the anxiety. Because 
everybody deals with it. Yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt was just on, and she goes by Love. Love, and she's amazing. And it was amazing to hear her story, and then like all these people. And how do you deal with anxiety? How did you deal with anxiety? Did you get anxiety while you were working? Never. You've been on set with- never. Never while working. I, I. It was for me. It was pretty intensely, like sort of myopically exclusive to outside of work to. Um, upfronts, TCAs, photo shoots, interviews, all that kind of stuff. Podcasts. Podcasts weren't around back then. Um, it was a joke. It was a joke. And the first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and the. Uh, it a good one. And yeah, the, the the early years of Psych were obviously a huge blessing, but also a, a struggle for me, sort of on the side. And and you judge yourself, and you feel silly. Because it's like, oh, my life, I'm on a show that people love and I have to go and and promote it. You know, poor me. Like, how can I possibly get through this? And from the outside looking in, it's such a ridiculous champagne problem. But the truth of the matter is like, ah, uh, I, I, you know, I don't like taking pills and I and I didn't know exactly how to push through that. And uh, and I owe a lot of my evolution in that area to Dulay and he knows this. Um, he really sort of carried the uh, psych, that side of psych for, for the first handful of seasons while I was sort of figuring wow. out, figuring out how to not be a disaster. So I, my question was, and you just answered it was how aware were you of this, that this was going on, that he really didn't, instead that he didn't like it, he just didn't feel comfortable doing these things. I was, very, I was very aware because he said it. <laughs> Did he say it on air? No, I mean, like, like oh, he, he said it to you. Do this thing. And Delay, then, please uh, do this. Delay, please do this interview. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't rocket science. It's like, okay. Cool. Did you ever go? Why is why is he getting anxiety? This is cool. No, cause, no, cause, no, because I, 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 I got that. I mean, years ago, I'd done a, a guest spot on a, a sitcom. I walked to do my work. My head would be down. Walked out. Did my scene, walked off. The audience is all right there. I'm not paying them any mind. I'm just minding my own business. I'm coming to do my job. And I remember uh, my manager, my agent, came to me afterwards and said, you were great on the show, but Dulé, you didn't interact with anybody at all. And I'm like, no, I'm here to do the work. Yes, Dulé, but like they kind of explained to me, these people are the reason why you have a chance to do the work. They're here sitting inside the studio because they want to engage you. You have to, it's more than just going and doing the lines. And and I was like, well, that's not me. They said, well, you have to figure out a way to reconcile that within yourself because that's what a part of this is. Not saying you have to be the you know yeah. the yak 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 guy, but you have to find a way to open up to people because that is a part of it. For you, it took me a long time, but over time I figured out just how can I still be comfortable within myself and still engage people. Yeah. So I understood. I understood that when you get into a room full of people, and it's like ah, I don't want to talk to all of you. I'm I think like, I overcompensate. Yeah. I think my whole life I've overcompensated. I think I've I, I never truly feel, and this is a surprise probably to everybody. But I think that if they know me well enough, they realize I feel like I have to be the center of attention or just be funny and be on because being me, that's how I felt for years, isn't enough. Mm. And if I just am in the room, I feel like I'm like being judged. So I feel like, okay, I'll be quick. I'll be witty. I'll be this. I'll be that. I'll be like, and then I'm fucking exhausted. Mm. And I'm like, "What what what am I doing? Why do I do it? And then, you know, my, my therapist says, that's part of you. This is who you are. You're an entertainer. I'm like, even when I go on set and I'm in every scene of the day, I want to go out and talk to Ron, the fucking car washer, and go, Ron, <laughs> why are you why are you using so much energy? You have four scenes left, and you're, you're rocking on with Ron, the car washer. 
And so I just, I never have understood this. I go to therapy. I deal with this. I remember my manager who I fired years ago, and I've only been with like two managers in my life. He says, you got to go to the Golden Globes. I'm like, well, that's funny because I don't think the show I'm on is in the Golden Globes. <laughs> I don't think we got nominated. He's like, well, uh, I think it'd just be really good for you. I'm like, good for who? I'm not in anything. I'm just going to show up. I think being seen, being seen as a guy who's not on a show that's not fucking nominated, this is where I should go? They're like, listen, I'm your man. Show up in places where the paparazzi are. You need to be seen. Oh, Stir some drama. Do something with your life. And I don't. You won't see many pictures. You won't see many. I don't show up. You know, you hear about those actors who call up and go, Dulé Hill will be at the Snots uh, Berry Farms over on Melrose for lunch. Uh, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, some, you, it's you calling, obviously. Yes, and then they're taking... I didn't know I sounded like that, but yes. Okay. Well, you well, obviously, you, you put on a voice. Thank you, you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank that's you, right. Oh, I guess this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is not Dulé Hill. This is not Dulé Hill. Do it. Do, be, be you pretending you're calling in to, uh, you know, to a TMZ mm-hmm. or, and, and, and make the call. Oh, hello. Uh, yes. Uh, this, uh, this is CMZ. This is CMZ. Yes. This is not Dulé Hill. Um, <laughs> I'm just letting you know that I'm going to be at Lookout Mountain over there, looking out on the mountain. <laughs> it's still pretty silky, though. Still, <laughs> yeah. no, give me yours, so, James. I would, I, know, I would go to something that was ridiculous, you know, that they not, might not even understand what I was saying. And it, but they just get the name. TMZ, can I help you? Yes. And my name is Franz from. Okay. Um, you should know that Real Food Daily, Raw Day, goodbye. I can understand you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how do you get them to be there that if they the can't best. understand you, though? <laughs> that's, why, that's why nobody ever shows up, you guys. That's... Rob, give me yours. You mean when you make me call restaurants? <laughs> I've never done that, ever. But this would be mine. Hey, TMZ, hey, it's Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> yeah, I was on the show. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be at Burger King at 2, so I don't know what, I know what you guys are up to, but if you got nothing better to do. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, so, so look. But you know, going back to like being in a room full of people or, or whatever, being engaging people, if I make it about you, then it allows me to be more comfortable about myself being here. Right. It's about you. Like, hey, what's happening? And, and and the fact of you wanting to talk to me, I'm make I'm giving you like I'm I'm with you in this moment. Like right. here we are. What do you want to talk about? I'm curious about what's going on in your life, or even what this moment is. I, instead of me being in my head about me standing here in a room full of people talking to people I don't know. So you're present. I guess that would be the word. You're being present. Yes, I guess that which would be I the am word. learning over the last couple of years. Do you guys meditate? I don't. I mean, med- meditation is a wide thing. Do I pray? Yes. Do I? Do I? For for me, I feel like a lot of my meditation is like when I'm in the studio just dancing because I just sure. zone out and I just I'm in my own world and whatever is going on inside of me, I can just be. What's you that know? for you? Uh, it's probably a, a combo. It's a mashup of uh, three minutes of cryotherapy and uh, explain cryotherapy in like ten words. Uh, f- freezing yourself for three minutes. Is it brutal to start out? Doing that depends on what your relationship is with the cold. I love it, so it's a I place. It. It's a place where I can literally go and be at peace uh, for three minutes. But yeah, it's like negative two hundred and fifty degrees or something crazy. And you sink. You, you go in and out, in and out. No, you just stand in like a. You stand in a box, like a freezer, basically. And it's is it dangerous? 
Uh, it's not dangerous. Uh, if you stay in for too long, it would be dangerous. So three minutes. Three minutes. They're there to open the door and make sure that you're okay and you can leave at any time. And it's great for cell regeneration and stress. Uh, stress. Uh, be getting old. How about neck issues? Absolutely. I would recommend it highly for anything muscle related. Can you give me like if I email you, you tell me where to go? Absolutely. And uh, I'll probably be a little anxious on the first time. Yeah. So could I maybe do three seconds instead of three minutes? You could probably, the, the most, the least you can do while still getting the benefits, I think is a minute and a half. So you'd have Fuck. to, you'd have to hang for I 90 seconds. I can't have seconds. an ice cube in my mouth for five <laughs> seconds. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's cold. It's so cold. Um, yeah, but that's a really that's a very uh, happy, healthy place for me, and so is the you know twenty minutes a day that I dedicate to um, my fantasy sports lineups. You don't go to therapy? Not a therapy. Never have. No. Never once. Uh, that's not true. I've done this. I've done some couples therapy. Couples therapy. Do you think that helped? Absolutely. Are you a good listener? I like to think of myself as a pretty good listener. Yeah. Are you a good listener, Dylan? Yeah, I, th I think I am. Rob is is Rosenbaum a good listener? No, he's no. terrible. <laughs> I think it was a yes or no answer. I, didn't, I, I don't know if terrible was <laughs> needed to be in there. You know, if you ask you know, the girl I'm hanging out with, hey, is Michael good and bad? She could easily say, eh, yeah or no. She doesn't need to say terrible or... It's tough to be Quick a good... Would be it's, fine. it's tough to be a good listener when you're overcompensating. That's fair to say, right? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I am trying to become a better listener. I am... Here's the thing. I'm the best listener. I'm the best friend family member you could have when you really need me to listen okay. when it's really important it's sort of like these trivial i won't say trivial but sort of what's the word things that really don't matter don't matter sure. if somebody's just going like you know she's like you know um, but they I, matter to me rosenbaum but, but they, they can't matter all the time do you have a little bit of add is that yeah part of it? well that's that's not really your fault then man but isn't that, doesn't everybody say they have ADD? But I do. I think it's a real, it's a super real thing. What do you think? Do you think I have ADD? I mean, I have a best friend who has it and uh, I don't bother telling him meaning, meaningless stuff. That's, you just sort of learn like. Just don't talk to him unless you have something to say. <laughs> yeah, unless hey, it's you, been five years. How are you, man? I just want to invite you to my wedding. Yeah, well, you, you say stuff that, that's meaningful, you yeah. know? How old are you? Uh, I'm 42. You're 42. You're 43. 43. You're married. Mm -hmm. This is your second marriage. Yes. First one lasted a while. Yes. And that just just didn't work out in the end, obviously. You don't talk anymore. Well, with with my ex? Yeah. No, not really. I mean, there's no I mean, reason to yeah, talk no, to I mean, ex, no, right? no love loss. Love loss. Like, it's all, all is well in the world. All is well in the world. What am I going to do? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Just yeah, want I mean, to check on you. I mean, Stupid at, question. At James? this point in yeah. life, is, at, yeah, at, this point, <laughs> at this point in life, you know, we both have gone on to the next right. chapter of our lives and living happy lives i so. just can't like i, I want to get married I, rob's married james you've never been married no sir do you think you'll get married if it has to be like a a betting answer right now i would probably lean towards no why is that the institution of marriage is not something that i necessarily feel like i need to check as a box i guess if i met somebody who was like okay this is my person and it was very important to that person that we be married sure it's not a dragon that I'm going to chase. I, guess. I think we have that in common where it's like, you know, I, I'd love the idea of being with someone forever. That'd be great. I mean, it's scary. And it's like, oh, my God, forever is forever. Right. That's like, you know, but I think like when you meet somebody, and you're like, hey, this feels right. And so maybe it just hasn't felt exactly yeah. right. Yeah. 
But, you know, I just, there's part of me that just worries about, God, are you going to be 75 years old shitting your pants and, like, no one's going to be cleaning it up for you? Not that she has to, but, like, I'd clean her shit up. I'm just sure. saying it's reciprocated. Yeah. I'm just saying someone who's there for yeah. you. I think oftentimes, though, people get focused on getting married instead of being yep. focused on finding the, right the relationship. Because yep. as, as you were just saying, Rodney, I think as, as you are in the relationship that is fulfilling all those things. You're full. You're being fed. Life is good. You you know, you. it's like, no, we're in this. We're, we're on this journey. I have no desire to be anywhere else besides right here every day, all day. Yeah. You know, for the as the days, for all the days that I'm allowed to be here on this earth. Then at that point, the idea of it is not as daunting. Because, so you don't think forever. You don't think 50 years. You don't. I mean, for me, I'm well, like, I think that. Why well, do that well, to like, yourself? At, at this point, yes. At this point, I'm like, no, nah, me and Jazz, like, no, nah, we, we in it to the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's otherwise, why would I get married? Right. You know what I mean? And now there are times where people do that and it doesn't work out. But I think when you find that person where it's like, here we are, it makes it easier to to then take that step into marriage. If I'm not sure whether you're going to be around or whether it's or whether this is going to work out, then I could see where it would be a, a bigger challenge to take that step. What are the signs? What are the signs you look for in a partner? What are the red flags that you just have you? Do you have a, a propensity for going towards women that uh, you need to help fix a little and they help you fix if you fix each other and you work on each other or do you like someone who just kind of has their shit together who do you normally go out with hmm i don't want somebody whose source of happiness is going to be a relationship with me you know i would love to i would love to supplement someone who already has a thing that they know they could be happy doing and then if we can figure it out i'll just make it better is it hard to stay in something have you ever had where it's so passionate and so fun and the other side could be so bad, but for some reason it's better than a little too boring and fine? And Would you rather have passion and fire and fun and do everything with this person, but also there's a side of it that just kills you or sort of like normal, fun, sex is fine? I would think passionate. I mean, you always go passion, even with a little bit like well, this is going to kill me. Well, no, I don't want to kill I'm not me. Trying to die, but you know, it's. It, it, I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I would tend to go towards passion. I mean, when you're, for lack of better words, bland, like it's like okay, after a while, it's like, okay. This is, this would be boring after a while. This would just be like okay, redundant. But I, th- I think you want someone who's alive and engaged and has opinions and thoughts and. Uh, will have their their strong point of view, even if it doesn't necessarily mesh with your point of view. Otherwise, it's... What if that's not realistic, their point of view? <laughs> <laughs> what if their point of view just kind of makes you, just confuses you? I mean, but you have to know the difference between passionate and crazy. Because if your point of view is not realistic, that means you're crazy. You see what I'm saying? I do. So... There it is. That then that's on you. It's like, well, that, no, you're not. You're not talking about passion at that point. You, I just noticed you have the leg from a Christmas story. Yeah, come on, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, it's only like thirty five bucks. I can get you oh, one. Wow, no, Rob, I mean, send him a, an email I'm, for that. Will you please? Yeah. We'll get you With one. The Christmas. Yeah, we'll get you yeah. one. Yeah. James, you want to add on that, or you think he wrapped that up? No, I think I'll just enjoy it when I'm at Dulé's house. No, <laughs> not not the Christmas story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The leg. No, not the leg. I'm talking about the... Uh... Make no mistake, Rudy. I was not offering you a leg lamp. I... <laughs> that's, that's not what happened. I have a feeling, James, you, you do go out with passionate people. I, don't, I can't do the, the kill me part anymore. 
You did that for a while. I've done it a couple times. And how exhausting is that? I can't. It, it's it's debilitating, and I feel like it gobbles up real estate that I need for other stuff. And doesn't it just exhaust you mentally and emotionally to the point where you're like, I don't know if I could do anything else. Yeah, it does. So I can't do that anymore. And part of that's probably age too. Like I, my energy is finite, you know? And here's the thing. Like I have so many outlets for, for, you know, for my passion as an artist. I don't know that I necessarily need, need that out of a relationship. I agree, I agree with Dulé. I, I want, I want an independent thinker who's passionate about their own thing. And, and you know who who attacks life for their own reasons, but I don't know that I need to come from what I do, which is already sort of exists at a heightened level, into a relationship that matches that. You know that I don't necessarily think that I require. Do you need to date someone who's really smart? Yes. Yeah. Both of you answered that right. Oh yeah. You have to be with somebody. Yeah. Rob. Yeah. What about you, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't hide it. There was, no. It was so thinly veiled. Like, it was so honest. No, I, here's the problem. But, but, I'm not but, saying It, it was that, also Rob, no. when he, Rob when he asked the question, it had like this smirk on his face. Like, he already knew the answer. No. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm saying that I think every, every woman I've dated is smart. Here's the problem. I don't think <laughs> what I'm you, that smart. So that's what I was thinking. I'm like, do they have to be smart? Well, I'm like, I'm thinking I'm not that smart. So that's a... That's a really good response, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's it, it, look, it's it's tough. And as I get older, I start to think. You know, I I start to let more shit go. Where I used to be like, red flag gone, red flag gone. Oh that, yeah, that's crazy, gone. But now as I'm older, I'm like kind of tired. I don't really want to like date a lot. I don't want to like. It's like it's hard. It's hard. I, I just I so I let go of things. Like ah, you know what? I'm sure a lot of girls do that. Here's something that I learned a couple of years ago, and I came up with, with this thing where I said, I have a box. Like, once you show me a part, of, a part of you that I know does not work for me, out. I put you in that box, and you will never come out of that box concerning me. Always. So one thing happens, you it, go in, If you show me something, I'm like, okay, for, like I was, no, not, before I was talking about, well, that's, that's someone who's crazy then at that point, right. if, if their point of view is not realistic. So if they're doing something, I'm like, no, this, to me, that's something that really is crazy, how you're coming at me or how this thing is going down, how you're... Even, not normal. Yeah, it's not, not normal. Not for me. I'm like, you know what? You're in that box, and I have to remember that because it's not going to change. That's who you are. Yeah. And that's okay for you to be who sometimes you are. Sometimes you need to see it twice, though. Well, sometimes you just got to see that twice, or sometimes, sometimes 20, you, I mean, 20 times. For me, in my life experience, I'm like, no, once I've seen it. You're good. You're mature. You know what? Here you go. It's not for me. James, this dynamic is not for me. Uh, Can you say, ah, that's not good for me. I got to get out of here. But you don't, do you? I'm certainly guilty of that. Well, I didn't say you got to get out. I didn't say I would necessarily get out of there right away. You know what I mean? I just would know it's only going to go so far. Okay. I know for myself, there's limits I'm putting on this dynamic because right. I've seen this. And I'm not going to just like jump off the, like walk out the door right now or jump off the cliff right now. But we're only going to go so far because I'm seeing but things why, that, But why even go so far if you know that it's not going to work out? Because at that time, that's all I wanted to do. Like you're time. just enjoying this and you know what it is yeah. and get out when yeah. you can you do that now? I'm so stuck up on like I'm so stuck on not creating a double standard that I, that's where I get into trouble because I'm so acutely aware of my own shortcomings and how difficult I am to be with. And Why are you difficult? I don't I I think I'm a little one foot in, one foot out by nature. 
and I and that drives people crazy. And it drives it people, all about. and I shake it all about, and it no, it drives <laughs> it drives any it fairly drives anybody a little bit batty. You want a certain level of of security and comfort out of any relationship, something, and I I think I probably it takes me way too long to provide that, and 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 I always know that like I'm constantly being forgiven for my own shit. So while I can certainly identify stuff that like isn't great or doesn't work for me, like I immediately turn the looking glass on myself and go, but look at the shit that she's putting up with from you. Yeah. And that's where I get stuck in like not being able to leave sometimes because it's like, well, you should be so lucky yeah. to have someone who's who's willing to look past all of the stinky shit that you're bringing to the that's table. That's so true, isn't it? And then, then that's where you get stuck. But the reality is, the, tr- the truth is, it's, it's probably best for both of you to just identify that it doesn't work and save each other a lot of time. Are you, I'm gonna answer, I'm, Rob, I'm going to ask you this too. Are you one of those guys that's quick to say, I love you? Just, no. Are you, are you, Delay? No. Rob? No. It takes a while? Are you usually like, it's real? Well, well, I'm not, well, I'm not free with it. Like I don't yeah, throw yeah, it around. Free with it either. I don't like throw it around. Uh, no. So for me, like for example, with Jasmine, it didn't take me long to say it, but I don't say it often. So Even now, what you're married? No, no, no. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I haven't love said, you. Yeah, okay. It's funny. I haven't said I love you to her since. Uh, let me see. That maybe like two thousand ten. But no, I'm, it's not like in previous relationships. I would just say I love you all the time. Right. So, for example, when I did tell her that I loved her. It meant something. It meant something to me. Yeah, that the fact that I could say that and really mean it, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, yeah, I do. Yes, yeah, so. I do. All right. Yeah, I think I love you. I promise forever. I mean, these are things that have been <laughs> bastardized to the point where, like, they don't even these words don't even don't mean even mean, mean anything to me to me anymore. Hearing them or saying them. So to say it, I you only say it for one reason. I think, and that's if you are 100. percent like your whole heart, here it is. Take it. Otherwise, you just fucking you're gonna fuck with somebody, or you're gonna fuck yourself up. Like, why are you throwing that out there? You know, I I feel like you guys, we do like a therapy session where it's just sort of like observing you guys for the last hour, and then you observe me, and I'm kind of thinking like, if you were my therapist, or if I was your therapist, I would say to you guys, it seems like you just you know who you guys are, you know who you are. And that's what I that comes across pretty clearly for me. And that's well, we're not that young anymore, right. dude. Like, it's like it's yeah, but right. I think there's a lot of people who still don't know what exactly they're. That's true. I think in life you just have to be honest with yourself. You have to like really hold up a mirror. It's very easy to look at other people and see all the faults in other people, but you also have to be able to really take hold up a mirror to yourself and and, and like no, Dulé, you were bugging right there. I know Dulé. That's yep. that's that's you and and your idiosyncrasies and all that kind of stuff and. You got to deal with that. Or how about looking in the mirror and saying, why are you with this person? What's yeah. wrong with you? Yes. That you, what fucking signs do you need? need. Yes. What, who, who need, your therapist told you this, what, why don't you get it? Why, and then you start to say, what's wrong with me? Why do I do, have you experienced that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm usually operating from a place of knowing exactly what I need to do and then just taking too long to find the spine to get it done yeah it's rarely am i in a place of confusion where i'm just like i don't know i think but i'm not i usually know exactly what i should do and you just let it linger like a cranberry song yeah god makes you rest that was a tough one that was a tough one for me dude i sat on maholland and i pulled over when i heard it in my truck and i cried i called my friend shira and i cried 
like Ugly Cry. Yeah. That because that to me was college. That was senior year of high school, freshman year of college in a big way. Big way. I went to see them alone at Jones Beach in New York. I love Dolores. And I, it broke my heart because my dream was always to see the Sundays, Mazzy Star, and the Cranberries together. Yeah, the Sundays are my favorite band of all time. Dude, the Sundays are like one of my favorite bands of all time. I listen to them every day. All time. I see a BFF. <laughs> Dude, horror <laughs> movies right on Sundays? You know are you saying? kidding me? Sundays. James, we got to find the Sundays. <laughs> Dude, they got to reunite. The Sundays are a rare one, man. They, I don't... They'll never play. The, 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 the guitar player, I think, and the, and the lead singer, they got married, and then they had a kid, two kids. And then they and they never enjoyed. And they never got together. And they play. never enjoyed touring in the first place. They just they were they were weird people shy people. See, weary yeah. of me, showing my good side. This is getting weird. Um, <laughs> Rob, I don't know about you, but I'm just starting to feel yeah a little bit. Should we leave? Yeah. yeah. No. All right, sorry. Look, by, by the way, this has been a real treat. And you know what? We didn't even get this. Is I like this because we just got into real some, some real stuff, mm. and I like that. And I, and I think that people like will like that about you guys because you know it's like psych questions and and West Wing questions and Dukes of Hazard questions and. There's no reason for you to go there. This, this just like there was no reason for Rob to say terrible. There was, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the callback. Uh, what's one movie uh, at Melody Pond PhD? Quickly, what's the one movie guaranteed to make you laugh? Uh, guaranteed to make me laugh coming to America. Give me one quote. Friday. Give me one quote from coming to America. She is the queen to me. God <laughs> <laughs> is a god somewhere. Is that one? I love it. I know Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's, you know, I like, I love the movie Life. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. the prison one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. just love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. <laughs> oh, you can't have my cornbread. Second part of this killing spree. <laughs> I stab the spoon was sharp enough. I stab motherfucker. <laughs> Go ahead, James. The real genius will always make me laugh. Wow, Val Kilmer. Always. Yeah, love it. Thanks for that question. Um, you didn't ask him for a quote. Oh, Coke. You, James. Uh, are you Chris Knight? I hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> Rob? I don't even. You don't. Fuck. Impastor. Uh, funny. A show that lasted two seasons yeah, that I did. This guy, all he does is fucking cream me. <laughs> I give him a microphone because I go, ah, you know what? You'll be, just, you know, be there. He's not there. Uh, last question. Peter, uh, at Peter Lee 25 favorite aliases from the series Psych, favorite guest appearance. How much interest did you have in a, in a Psych monk crossover as hinted in the finale? I, I don't know if you want to answer any of that. That's a lot of questions. Uh, Gus Silly Pants Jackson. Uh, Jimmy Simpson, Ali Sheedy. I thought you were going to say Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's. I, that, I mean, I could have tied it up nice. Yeah. Wait, um, Val Kilmer was on Psych? Val Kilmer was in the series finale. He did a, a quick. We had a character. What was it? Why am I blanking on the Dobson. character? Oh, we had a character that. that you would never see for eight seasons. It would be like, and it was you, him. You would address him off camera, Dobson, and keep on going, and we never knew he who he line. was. He said something. He had one line, and it was in with one line. We were like, "Oh, Val's been in the precinct the whole the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Like that to, like, to me, like that was like the greatest, the greatest yeah. of all. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how many guest stars, like the great guest stars, would come on because they just wanted to do the show. They loved it mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, we got really lucky. That had to make you feel good, though, huh? Oh That'd yeah, feel great. Um, this has been an incredible treat for me. I, I thank I, I thank you for allowing me to be inside of you both at the yeah. same time. Again, I still feel weird when you say that. You're gonna want to see. It's, you're gonna want to see a doctor soon, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Real quickly, just tell me uh, your, your handles. You know, people like to know the handles. Your Twitter and Instagram. Oh. 
at Dulé Hill. Nice and easy. Yeah, at James Roday. That's pretty basic. Yeah. yeah really. Rob, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> at Rob Hollis. Yeah. Oh. If you want to say hello to Rob. You're doing ballers. You're doing suits. Uh, I'm not. I'm not doing ballers. I'm not in. I'm not in season four of ballers. Uh, I'm doing suits. Still balling though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still balling though. Still balling. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing. Yeah, I'm doing suits. Uh, we come out July 18th, season eight. You don't like wearing suits, and you're in a show called Suits. You All said, he does is wear suits. Here's the funny joke. The, fu- <laughs> the funny joke is, you know, I went to school at Seton Hall University. I was a business finance major. I was going to go off to law school. Eventually, I d- dropped out of Seton Hall my junior year and enrolled in the arts, studied at William Esper in New York and became an actor. But the reason why I didn't go to law school was because I realized how hard it was going to be, first of all, like book work, and I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to wear uh, suits every day. So I was like, I don't want to go to the office and wear suits every day. Now, I'm on a show called Suits about corporate lawyers, and I have to wear a suit every day. Make plans, God laughs. Ain't life a bitch. What movie is that from? I don't know. Ain't life a bitch. If you Last say, Boy Scout. I was going to say, if you say it twice, it doesn't really Remember with me. the football helmet? He blows himself mm-hmm. away. James, yeah. you just directed a, a movie? Uh, yeah, that movie... Uh, Can't really say anything about it. It's currently called Treehouse. I don't know if it'll stay called Treehouse, but it'll drop in March uh, for International Women's Day on the on the Hulu. And you're always directing. You're always directing uh, Always shit. directing, but you know what? Uh, Curveball, I did a pilot this year, and, <coughs> and it, oh, got, yeah. it got picked up, so I'm off to Vancouver, my old stomping grounds, in a couple weeks uh, to do a series called A Million Little Things That's right. on, That's a- right. on ABC. Dude, yeah. congrats. So I'll be back on TV in fall attempting not to embarrass myself. Well, James Roday, Rodriguez. Thank you, sir. Half Mexican, half Irish. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, bienvenidos a los Estados Unidos. Dulé. Dulé Hill. Bezos. All black, all man. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. I did. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.